an amazing time in worship. And uh, so let's just start off with prayer. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Thank you, Father, for this time. And thank you that we can come and be in your house and that we can come and praise you. And as we spend time in your presence, that we are transformed. Thank you for what you do in our lives and thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for the finished work of the cross, that we have been set free indeed and that we can serve you and live a life of complete freedom. So Father, I pray that as we spend time around your word, may your will be done here in this auditorium, in each person's heart, as it is in heaven. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So I saw an image uh, of a tapestry, and uh, what I saw was I initially saw the, the, the back part and people were looking at this back part and they were looking at and seeing how it, it looked disjointed and it looked like there were things that just didn't make sense. It was confusing to the person. And uh, then I saw that the Lord turned it around and he showed the beautiful image uh, that uh, was being woven in this person's life as a result of all those other things. So sometimes we look at things in our life and it may seem confusing. We may ask the Lord, why is this happening? We, we will ask him, how if I'm serving you, how did this happen to me? So maybe in your life, you're looking at the one side of the tapestry where it looks a bit confusing now, but I want to encourage you that the Lord is gonna turn it around and he's gonna bring something beautiful uh, from all of the things that are happening in your life because the Lord is good and He is faithful. And His faithfulness is not uh, dependent on what you're experiencing now in terms of if you think that uh, the promises that he has, he has given you are being fulfilled now, He's good before the promise is fulfilled. And uh, so today we're speaking about the fire within and I want to ask you this question, do you want His fire? Yes. Do you really want His fire? Because if we want his fire, we need to pursue him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. With absolutely everything that we are, there should be no part of our lives or of our heart, soul, strength that is left behind in our pursuit of God. And as we serve him, as we draw near to him, as we fall at his feet, and as we realize that everything has already been done, we can just simply receive the gift from the good father. And as we spend time in his presence, we must not take it for granted. It cannot be taken for granted that the Lord moves in our lives and who he is and his love for us. So I encourage you to seek the Lord, to want more of the Lord, to ask him to make you grow hungry, to ask his spirit to move in your life as he intends you to move. And um, we need to desire our own personal revival. So I want to encourage you, even now, that if you, perhaps, you come to church, and as you come to church, you come to church because you come to church, that you ask the Lord right now, Lord, give me a desire for your fire. Give me a desire for you. Lord, may I have a heart after your own heart. And I don't know what that looks like, but give it to me. If you, perhaps, are uh, being distracted by things that are happening in your life, ask the Lord, reset my focus. May my focus be on you. Because as we spend time in the Lord's presence and as we encounter the Lord, as we encounter that fire within, what happens is it should leave us changed. If we think of Paul with the road to Damascus, he was going to Damascus with one intention and he encountered the Lord and his presence and because of that, it left him changed. 
and he could not be the same person anymore. So I want to encourage you to seek the Lord and ask him to change you. So my first point is entitled intimacy and with the focus of into me you see. The Lord needs to see into each and every one of our hearts. You see, the funny thing about God is that we often misunderstand is that he will only come in as far as we let him. He loves us and he's our good, good father. And because of that, he's gentle with us. But he will only come in as far as you let him. So we can talk about his spirit and we can beg him to be filled. But until we completely surrender to him, we will not experience the fullness of his spirit. It is when we completely surrender to him that we will experience the fullness of his spirit. So I just want you guys to quickly take up your Bible and in 1 Samuel 17 verse 31, that's what I'm going to uh, be reading from. Uh, in the meantime, I just want to, to share with you concerning why am I sharing from this passage. And David was a person who had intimacy with the Lord. His heart was a heart after God's own heart. He pursued the Lord with all that that he was, and as we pick up the story, we pick it up where um, what happened was he, was he was sent by his father to go and feed his brothers, give, take food to his brothers. The Israelites were being intimidated. They were struck with fear by this big giant called Goliath. And if we look at David's life, uh, I started to write down a, a list of what uh, the ex exploits of David in the power of God, and there were just so many different exploits, uh, but if we go uh, look at some of them, David's story is a real rags to riches story. And uh, so he went from not being seen fit to be called up with his other brothers to be seen by Samuel. He was doing the least glorious job. He was looking after the sheep and he, did, he was doing this because he was the youngest and seen as useless. To slaying Goliath, to becoming king, David wrote many psalms and the Lord inspired these psalms and he's using these psalms to encourage us. He's using these psalms to impact us today, all these years later, because of what the Lord was doing in David's heart. And so we know that he had a heart after God's own heart. And so we pick up the story in uh, 1 Samuel 17, verse 31 to 37, and it says, now when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul and he sent for him. Then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And I just have this question, are your words and the way you live your life causing people to wonder what strength comes from within? And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him for you are a youth and he a man of war from his youth. You know, sometimes our challenges seem so big that it's, it's just ridiculous that we would go up against them. But God and in his power, he empowers us to overcome. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And here he's kind of giving a history with God. He's going, the Lord has used me like this before. I have history with God. And each and every one of us, we have history with God. And then he said, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. 
seeing as he has defied the armies of the living God. Notice he was not showing or focus on how strong he was or, not, or how good he was. He was going, this person's going against God. Who am I to not stand up? Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. And uh, it's just so interesting to me as we, we look at th this kind of story that oftentimes we do exactly what the Israelites did. We get focused on the Goliath. We get focused on, on how big the circumstance is. But I want to encourage you today that as we, in the power of His Spirit, with this fire that burns within us, we can see this through the lens of God's sight and that we can have faith in His strength. You see, David's confidence was in God the Father, not in his own strength. You see, it was because of his response to what was happening that he found himself before King Saul, giving his reasoning why he was able to take Goliath. And he gave God all the glory. And he gave accounts of the Lord using him and how the Lord had strengthened him because he had history with God. And you and I have history with God. And as we become intimate with the Lord, as he sees into us, as he looks into us, as we open ourselves to him, and we, we let him uh, with complete abandon in our heart work in our lives and minister to us, what happens is our confidence in the Lord increases. So we still have hard times, but we deal with them differently. And we go through them, not in our own strength, but in his. And we realize that it's in the Lord's strength that things are done and not our own. And we build this history with God. It is in intimacy with Christ that we begin to live that life that we, we would like to term our best life. Our response to hardship changes. So I want to share with you the main scripture verse for this morning. It's Mark 12, verse 30. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Our role is to love the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. He intervenes in the other things. And here in the story with David, as he was getting ready to face up against Goliath, we see that he was loving the Lord with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. He couldn't imagine that someone not stand up to Goliath. It is by the power of his spirit and intimacy with God that all things are possible, not in our own strength. The Lord intervenes in the other things and sometimes he intervenes miraculously and with that image of the tapestry, we're looking at the part that it's still a testimony in progress and it doesn't look like it makes sense and maybe something has happened in your life that as you look at this tapestry, it just, why is that there and it just doesn't look good. And then when he turns the tapestry around, we can see that actually he used that very thing to mold us even though it was not his intended hardship that we should have, but he uses that to mold us because he's a good and perfect father. And by the power of his spirit, he allowed us to go through it and overcome it. And because of that, a beautiful tapestry is made. And he uses it to minister to other people. Because ultimately, it's not about us and it's all about him. And as we are intimate with Christ, something happens inside of us that it becomes like this beautiful tapestry to other people. To us, we may look at the back side of that tapestry and it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense always. But to others, they see this beautiful woven tapestry 
of the Lord working in our lives and they don't understand how is that possible, but it's just beautiful to them. It is with us allowing God to search within us as we grow intimate with him and into us that he sees that we are allowed to change and we give him permission to change us. So Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24 say this, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. It's such a beautiful, life-changing prayer. I wouldn't pray it unless you do expect dramatic changes in your life. And uh, as he searches us, he ministers to us and changes us and it's for the good, but it can be painful at times. But as we have drawn near to him and he draw near to us, he works in our heart and he causes this fire to burn within us and he will lead us in his ways everlasting. For to follow his ways requires change in our lives. So picking up again in 1 Samuel 17, but a little bit further on, verse 45 through to 47, it says this, David's response to, to Goliath, so he's standing before Goliath now, and Goliath is very unimpressed. Uh, David was a young man at this point in time, and needless to say, Goliath was slightly larger than life. And uh, in the human perspective, it just looked like a really mismatched battle. And he was unimpressed with who was before him. And David said, you come to me with sword and with spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you and take your head from you. And then moving into uh, verse 47, then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's and he'll give you into our hands. His confidence was not in his own strength. Even when he was being taunted by Goliath and he stood before him, it would be natural for us in any of those things to try and stir within, up our own, within up, uh, us our own strength. But actually it's history with God that gets us through and it's his strength. When we have history in God, we can speak much like David did because we have confidence in his strength. We don't need to look at ourselves, but we look to God Almighty. It is the Lord and by his spirit that we overcome. It is not in ourselves. And we do not get caught up then by the distraction that fear brings. When we are distracted by fear, we forget to consult God Almighty. When we are distracted by fear, we try to pick up the tools that we think should happen or should be used, like a sword and a spear and a javelin and a shield and armor. Instead of going to the river of the Spirit of God and looking for those five smooth stones that look so unassuming to go and battle this Goliath that God is giving us strength to overcome. We often focus on this particular story from the perspective of putting ourselves in David's shoes, and I mean, we just did that. But I want to show you something else concerning this story. You see, David and his life was used as a type of Jesus, or another word for it, a foreshadowing of Jesus and what he was going to do. So in this battle with David and Goliath, actually, while we can learn from David as he stood up to Goliath and all that, was, that led up to this moment, including the moment, what we can also learn is that really we're the Israelites and Jesus is like David, an unassuming champion that came in an unassuming way, in a way that the world did not think would be the champion 
and he fought another champion and defeated him. And Jesus died on the cross and rose again. And because of that, Satan is defeated. And we can, much like the Israelites, when Goliath falls, we can cheer and jump in joy because whenever we come towards a problem, we know that Jesus has already overcome it. And by the power of his spirit, we can walk in confidence knowing that whatever we need to do, he has already gone before us and fought the battle. And we need to know and understand and realize that God is the author and finisher of our faith. And what that means is, and we can go into my second point, that we can have audacious faith. Audacious is showing a willingness to take up surprisingly bold risks. I would say that as a young man, it might be surprisingly bold uh, to go up against a giant that an entire army is afraid to challenge. But when we have audacious faith, we can do things in the power of God that we could never do in ourselves. Another person who's an example of this is Joshua. And Joshua had audacious faith. He was one of the spies that went into the promised land and he gave a good report. Most of them gave a bad report. He saw the promise of God instead of the challenge that lay before. He saw that God would overcome them, not himself. And I want to leave you this quote. It's true obedience is the refusal to compromise in any regard our relationship with God, regardless of the consequences. True obedience is the refusal to compromise any regard our relationship with God, irrespective of what happens. There may come a time in your life where you will do this, where you will have to do this, but true obedience is holding your intimacy with Christ above all those other things. And when we do that, we can have audacious faith. In Exodus 33, 11, it speaks about how Moses met face to face with God, and it says that Joshua, after Moses left, would linger in the tabernacle. Do you linger and do you want to linger? I encourage you to stir up a desire within your heart to linger in the Lord's presence, to linger in his word. And as you linger, he encourages you and strengthens you. If we look at Joshua, he also had history with God. He saw how the Israelites got taken out of Egypt, how the sea was parted, how they walked past, and how the manna was given every day, how they were led by day and night with cloud and fire, how the Lord led them and guided them, protected them, watched over them, how it was the Spirit of God that differentiated them, the Israelites, from all the people around them. And then one day came the day that he saw that was about the promise that he first saw instead of the challenge. And God said, now you're gonna take my people into the promised land. And it was because he had history with God and he knew this. And this is the promise that God gave him in that, on that day. In Joshua 1 verse five, it says, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. And it's only God who can say so much with so little. Three promises that he had given there. That no man shall be able to stand against Joshua. That just as he saw God meet with Moses, God would be with him. And that the Lord would never leave him nor forsake him. And you know we have, we can hold on to these kind of promises too. Because the Lord is the same yesterday, tomorrow, today and tomorrow forevermore. And we can hold on to this God who is faithful 
who overcomes things and has overcome things for us already. But Joshua's response was this, in Joshua 3 verse five, he said, Joshua said to the people, consecrate or sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Do you want the Lord to do wonders in your life? Do you want him to do wonders among you? Well, then we need to consecrate and sanctify ourselves and then cross over the Jordan. You see, they knew that this was a spiritual battle and it required spiritual preparation. You and I, we don't go into a physical battle, but we are in a spiritual battle. And we need to know and understand then that we need to use spiritual tools and spiritual armor to be able, spiritual weapons to be able to overcome. And these are all found in the Lord and we do it by seeking Him with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength. Do you want that fire within you? Do you want the presence of God to work in your life? Then with all that you are, seek Him. And do not look at how the world will do something, but ask the Lord for His wisdom. And I just wanna pause here a little bit. In both accounts, if you go read earlier in Joshua, um, sorry, in Exodus 33, as well as then in 1 Samuel 17, in both accounts, both gentlemen, David and Joshua, are called young. So young person, I'm speaking to you right now. Don't let people tell you it's impossible. Because by the power of God, by the Spirit of God, you can do much more than people think you can, and it's not because of yourself. You see, the Lord has a call on each person's life, and young person, you've got a long way to go, and so that call, you're gonna see the Lord wave a tapestry in your, in, uh, weave a tapestry in your life, but do not step back. Keep stepping forward, and as you step forward, allow the Lord and His, his Spirit, the fire within you, to burn brightly and empower you to do what you need to do. I actually just feel to quickly pray for, for young people concerning this. So Father, we thank you that you have purposed this next generation to do stuff that we have, we have not yet seen or even dreamt of, but that you're placing dreams into their lives of things so much grander than we can think and that you're, you're positioning a generation to seek you with all their soul, with all their heart, with all their mind, with all their strength. And I pray, Father God, that with this next generation that their hearts would burn, that your fire would burn within them ever brightly and that they will lean into your presence. And as they linger in your presence and as they stay in your presence, Father, may you send them out to be witnesses to the world. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. And then I'll just uh, explain Joshua 10, verses uh, 12 and 13. The Israelites are fighting the Amorites, and here they're winning, and the Amorites, they're fleeing. And as they flee, Joshua prays this audacious prayer, and he asks the Lord for the sun and the moon to stand still. And he prayed this in the midst of victory because he trusted God's promises over everything else and the promises that they would have complete victory and he didn't want an incomplete victory to occur and the potential for the enemy to come back. And you know, what I, what I want to share with you today is that the Lord has promised you complete victory in some areas of your life. But sometimes what we do is when we start to see victory, we hold back and we say that's enough. But I'm telling you that the Lord has more planned for your life and he has complete victory for your life and you need to press forward. You need to have audacious faith. And as you have audacious faith, you need to pray audacious prayer and you need to keep moving forward in the spiritual battle. Do not let the sight of trouble, hardship, or doubt cause you to give up in battle. But allow these audacious prayers to come from your mouth by the power of the Spirit. 
because true obedience is the refusal to compromise in any regard our relationship with God, regardless of the consequences. So my final point is let the fire burn. I use these two examples of these two men that were types or foreshadowing of what Jesus did for us on the cross so that we can get to this point of we need to understand of what it means to have the fire burn within us. And who is the Holy Spirit to you? Because I think sometimes we limit him. We limit the free reign that he has in our lives. And we don't pray audacious prayers. Because ultimately it is about Jesus. And Jesus has already overcome. And as he has already overcome, I want to read to you what his spirit does. John 14, 16 to 18 says, and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. The spirit is our helper. He's our teacher. He reminds us of what God has already done and said. He's our advocate, he's our aid. That he may abide with you forever, just like that promise in Joshua 1 verse five, that he will never leave us nor forsake us. The spirit of truth, fear distracts us, but the spirit is truth. When the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, for he dwells within you and will be in you, we must become more aware of his presence. 